Our scripture this morning is from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew tells us that Jesus said many things to the disciples in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep, but when the sun came up, it scorched the plants and they withered and died. Other seeds fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them out. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who has ears to hear should pay attention. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Pastor Marvin, I think that if Chris Pronger had been here today, and you know, he's a member of this church, he might have been taken, just, he might have puffed up great big about that comment about him being a really good slasher. I know Pastor Deb was very excited today. She got to play the bell. She has, uh, she has hit her bucket list of being able to play the bell. So she got um, some great reviews, I hear. So will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, help me to step out of the way so that your word might be proclaimed. Touch my mind, my heart, my lips, my tongue, my voice. Let them be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we begin a two-part series on relationships. And can I get an amen if you think relationships can sometimes get complicated? Yeah, well, you know, we were lifting up our saints today, and I couldn't help but think of the saints in my own life, the saints that are in that great cloud of witnesses, and a few of those saints uh, were our close neighbors in Marshall, Texas, and, and um, you've probably heard me talk about Walter and Patty and Phyllis Pittman before, but I wanted to, to bring to light some of the things the things I remember about them and how they made such an impact and sowed seeds of love and kindness in my own life. I asked my daughters what they remembered most about Walter and Patty and Phyllis the other day. And Laura, my oldest daughter, she sings here um, sometimes. She said, I would be outside playing and Mr. Walter, now you have to remember we lived in Texas, so it was always Mr. Walter, Miss Patty, and Miss Phyllis. That's just the way it happened in Texas. And so she'd say, Mr. Walter would see me out playing in the backyard and, she, and he would say, Laura, have you had a snack today? And she would say, yes, Mr. Walter, I've had a snack. He said, well, you might need another one. Go ask your mom if you can have another stack today. Miss Patty is making rice, and she will make you a bowl of hot, sweet rice. Well, you can imagine what Laura's reaction was to that. She was running in and telling me, Miss Patty's making rice. Can I go over to Mr. Walter and Miss Patty's house? Of course you can. I was like, whoo, yes, of course you can, you know. And... Um, and so she would go over, and, and he would be watching golf. Now, do I have any golf fans in here? 
Laura would say, Mr. Walter, why do you watch golf? It's boring. And he'd say, Laura, it's not boring, it's fascinating. And so they would have conversations like that and just wonderful, wonderful memories that she would have of Mr. Walter and Miss Patty. And uh, Phil, Miss Phyllis actually taught Laura to tie her shoe because mom didn't have the patience at times. And so Miss Phyllis taught her to tie her shoe, and I can remember that day, her running home from Miss Phyllis's house saying, Miss Phyllis taught me to tie my shoe, and she showed me how. So proud. Now, Holly was a little younger, and so her memories of Mr. Walter and Miss Patty are different, of course. And so Walter had been in the armed services, and he had a tattoo of a mermaid right here. <laughs> and Holly would say, Mr. Walter, what's that? And he'd say, stupidity, darling, stupidity, <laughs> like that. And he says, but I can make her dance. And he would, like, do his arm, and the mermaid would dance. And so Holly remembers vividly those memories. <laughs> Seeds of kindness seeds of love. These neighbors became very important to our family. Now, no shows of hands here. This is just a question to help us to begin to think about what we're talking about today, about it being complicated. Do you know your neighbors' names? Have you walked outside of the door to your next-door neighbor and maybe had a conversation? Do you know their vocation? Do you know their stories? I pulled some data from the general social survey that kind of talks a little bit about today's society and our neighbors. And this report said that only 20% of Americans spend time with their neighbors on a regular basis. In fact, it was found that a third of people surveyed said they'd never interacted with their neighbors at all. Man, that is... That's sobering, isn't it? It's a big drop from four decades ago, church, because that, at that time, a third of Americans hung out with their neighbors on a regular basis. And maybe it was as simple as a change in architecture. Have you thought of this? From the 1880s to the 1920s, the front porch had its heyday. The houses had big, elaborate front porches, and when they built a house, it had a big front porch on it. And that was probably because in the evening it was cooler and the family after dinner would gather on the front porch and spend some time together. The neighbors would walk by and when they walked by, they'd have conversation, even maybe invited up on that front porch. Now sometime after the 1920s, we had a shift. We moved from the front porch to what? The backyard, right? We moved from inviting and being in conversation with the people with our neighborhood to more privacy, building elaborate patios, building out our backyards and landscaping them, gathering still as family and friends, but in the privacy of our home. So this may have been a simple shift in why we no longer have these close connections with our neighbors. 
Now, as I look back on our journey, Joe and I have lived in several places, and I can tell you in all honesty that most of the homes that we've lived in have only had very small front porches, sort of like the house we live in now, with maybe just enough room for a couple of chairs, and that's it. And we've lived in all kinds of places, places in which I've gotten to know my neighbors really well, places in which the neighbors became family, like I mentioned to you in Marshall, Texas, places in which I did not know my neighbor's name, and places in which the neighbors really didn't like us too much. Just saying. So neighbors and neighborhoods, they're like anything else. It takes intentionality, doesn't it? Intentionality. It takes work because we do not choose our neighbors, church. We are given our neighbors, right? We're given our neighbors. English author G.K. Chesterton once quipped this. He said, we make our friends, we make our enemies, but God makes our next door neighbor. We have to love our neighbor because he is there. The nearness of our neighbor is providential as God never gets the address wrong. Think about that. That's food for thought for us. In the very location of our homes, we are given an opportunity. We are given an opportunity of investment. Now, many of us, like me, think of money when I hear the word investment. I have a confession. I've never really understood the complexity of investments. Do I have any business people here in the room, in the congregation? A few? Uh-huh. I know Jill does back there. And I have a confession. I've never really understood compound interest. Never really understood it. You know, I, like one of my friends joked, they tell me it's math, it very well might be magic to me. You know, I mean, that compound interest, how does that work? But the one thing I do understand about investments and compound interest is there has to be an initial investment, doesn't there? There has to be an initial investment in order for the investment to grow into a long-term investment. Relationships are the same way. Relationships are the same. They are investments. All relationships within a body of the community, whether it be family, friendships, church, or neighborhoods, take investments of time, they take investments of energy. And you might go as far to say that these investments are risky investments. They're complicated investments. I say this because who in this room has not gone through some kind of pain in a relationship? Have you ever had a close relationship with someone that it didn't get complicated at some point? Even the best of friends have squabbles. Even the best of marriages have their tough moments in the journey. The workplace has its drama, and the neighborhood, well, that sometimes can get out of hand, can't it? Neighbors even have sometimes the Hatfields and McCoys kind of feuds going on in their neighborhoods over silly things like trash cans, dogs barking, 
fence lines. It's complicated. Every single relationship we have is complicated. In fact, in social media, there's this thing on Facebook, or there used to be, where you could put your status. You could put married, single, and if you really didn't know what was going on in your relationship, you could put, it's complicated. <laughs> but relationships are. They're complicated. Maybe you had a close relationship with someone and something happens and you disagree and all of a sudden you no longer speak to each other, you no longer gather together. It hurts and it's painful. Maybe you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with someone. You invested in that relationship of yourself over and over and over again and yet it did not work out. Your dreams and your hopes were shattered and it was broken and that person moved on with someone else and you're trying to pick up the pieces afterwards. It hurts. It's complicated. It's painful. Maybe you hired someone that you thought was the perfect person for the job. You just knew it. But you were wrong and they were wrong and it didn't work out and the friendship that you developed as a colleague is no longer and it's broken and it hurts and it's painful. Things can get complicated and when things get complicated sometimes there's pain involved and that's why I said it's a risky investment but church let me hear I want you to hear me plainly say this I also say it's a worthy investment it is a worthy investment because we are given opportunities to sow seeds in each relationship that we have and Jesus tells us the seeds that are sown in good soil they produce good fruit. Good fruit. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells this story, this parable. Pastor Deb read it from the Common English Bible. I'm going to read it to you from the message, the paraphrase. Sometimes I just go to the message because I want to hear it in everyday, plain language. It's a, a translation that's a paraphrase. It says, a farmer planted seed. And as he scattered the seeds, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel and it sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds as it came up and it was strangled by the weeds. And some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Now, usually when we read parables, we kind of read through the parable and we try to move to the meaning of that parable. What was Jesus trying to say to the audience that, that he had before him? But I want to look at the parable in another light today. This parable, we hear three elements in it. We hear a sower or farmer, we hear the soil, and we hear the seed. Church, this, this parable is not about farming. It's not about farming at all. It's about people. It's about people. 
And if we look further down in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus explains it all. Jesus explains every bit of what he's trying to tell the disciples because the disciples get confused a lot, like we get confused a lot, right? And so he explains it further if we go down further in Matthew. But if we look at this parable from the lens of people, just from the lens of people and our relationships, we see this other window into our story and into the story that Jesus is trying to convey. And that's what a parable does. It helps us see clearly. If we look at the first, the first part, as the farmer planted seed, he scattered the seed, and some fell on the road, and the birds ate it. Well, maybe you've had a relationship like this. You've sown some good seeds, You've scattered those seeds, you've thrown those seeds of good love and relationship, and, and yet there are others that swoop into the relationship and, and create pain and havoc and destroy everything that you've been trying to plant. Or maybe you've been that person where others have sown good seeds into you and others around have made that cloudy or not fully understood. Then there's the seed that the sprouts that sprouts up quickly and, and didn't put down roots. That's what in some translations call the shallow ground. Maybe you've had that kind of relationship. You know those surface relationships? You've met someone and, and you've hit it off really quickly. You've developed a friendship but you haven't developed deep roots in that relationship. And so the first difficulty that comes along, the first little bit of heat in that relationship, and the relationship dissolves or is fried up. It's tough, isn't it? Those are painful. And then the third one is where the seed is planted in the weeds or the thorns. We've had those kind of relationships too, I imagine. Because in the counseling world, we call those enmeshed relationships. Too close. No boundaries. No margin. And so the friendship or the relationship starts to get choked. And then maybe even the environment does not allow the development or the growth of that good relationship. And so that's the weeds and the thorns that choke it out. And the one thing I want you to notice in all of these is that the farmer or the sower never, keep, never stops sowing seeds. Amen. Even though in the first three there's no return on the investment. There's no harvest. But the sower or the farmer does not Stop sowing seeds. And we hear that the seeds are thrown and sown in good soil. And those produce a harvest beyond the wildest dreams. The farmer, of course, is God and, and Jesus Christ is the word. And Jesus told the meaning of this parable as translated in the message and he explains the farmer who sows the pure seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. 
And the pure seeds are the subjects of the kingdom. You are the subjects of the kingdom. And like the Father, we are called to continue to sow good seed. Do you remember who sowed good seed in your life? Can you think of one person, does a a face come to mind, who sowed good seed in your life and, and it brought forth a good harvest? It brought forth fruit of love and kindness in you. As I started to think back upon my neighbors when I was a little girl, I grew up in Harrisburg, Illinois. You hear me tell stories about Texas all the time. But I grew up in a little town in southern Illinois called Harrisburg. That was where I first lived. We moved later onto the farm when I was still young. But in those early years, we lived close to my mama and my papa in Harrisburg, Illinois. And across the street, there was a neighbor. His name was Mr. Cayley. And every time when he saw me, he would say, Como talivu, Terry Sue? I didn't know what that meant, so I just wave. <laughs> Until dad told me, mom told me, that it meant, how are you in French, Terry Sue? And now I would respond to Mr. Cayley in that way. And I loved Mr. Cayley's rose garden. He had lots of roses in his backyard that looked over across the street toward our front porch. That was the one time in my life we did have a front porch. And one day I was really mad at my dad, really mad at my dad. He told me no about something, my gosh. (laughs) And so I packed my wagon. I was about five, I think, maybe. I packed my wagon full of the things that I thought I would need, my stuffed animals and my books. And I headed down the street. When I got to the end of the street, that was basically the end of my world as I knew it, and I turned around and went home. And later on that day, I got a bouquet of flowers from Mr. Cayley that said, I'm glad you stayed. He was watching me the entire time. Mr. Cayley sowed seeds of love in my life. And then there was Nell. Now, this was at the farm when I was a little bit older, my would go and stay with my granny, which I've talked to you about several times. And Nell lived one house down on the country road, and I would sometimes walk down to her house, and she would undo her hair that was tied up in a bun. Silver, beautiful, long hair would flow down to her back, and she would hand me a hairbrush, and she would let me brush her hair while I told her stories, little girl stories and little girl conversation, and she listened and she loved. She sowed seeds of love in my life. They invested in me, they sowed seeds, and I pray as they are saints in my heavenly cloud of witnesses, 
that they're looking down and can see some of a good harvest in me. I am privileged and blessed to live next to the Bass family. David, Shivani, and the two children, Priya and Liam. And Priya and Liam love to see Mr. Joe's truck drive down the street. The big truck. And they can hear it coming. And they yell, Mr. Joe's home, Mr. Joe's home. And the other day I got to pick Priya up from the bus. What a blessing. And we went home and got a snack. I thought of Mr. Walter. I got, we got a snack. And we had conversations about how Liam cannot color at all. <laughs> I pray, I pray that I will continue to sow seeds of love as they were sown in me. Who are you sowing seeds for, church? Who? It might be complicated, but it is a worthy investment. As the sending forth, I offer you a challenge, church. Go out and make some investments. Find out your neighbor's names if you don't know them. If you do, find out a new story. Make some investments, sow some seeds, as God the Father has given you the example. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.